When Meredith was 15, she had a crush on an older boy, and she wrote about that older boy in her journal. He's 17, but extremely nice, thoughtful, and he doesn't look down on you for being younger. (laughs) Plus, he's got money. That's Meredith reading about her well-to-do older crush. And this, well, this is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. I'm Dan Meisner. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. Courageous adults get on stage to read the weird, wonderful, and bittersweet things they wrote as kids. This time, recorded live at the Registry Theatre in Kitchener, Ontario, we have drunken necking, deep misunderstandings about the Catholic Church, and a dirty magazine hidden in a pile of wood. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. When Gary was 15, he went on a school exchange trip to Ecuador. And while he was there, he kept a very detailed travel journal. At our Kitchener show, Gary shared a few excerpts that highlight what you might call cultural misunderstanding. Here's Gary. March 14th. Today was the worst day ever. (laughs) There was still no water in the house, so I went to go see if there was uh, water in the outside bathroom. Luckily for me, my host mom was there to explain how the shower worked. Of course, I didn't understand a word she was saying because she was speaking in Spanish. The shower had hot water, which was nice, but after I had my shower and I went to turn it off, I got a huge electric shock. (laughs) After about three times of getting shocked, I saw the huge battery beside the shower and decided to get out and turn it off with a towel. On my way back through the courtyard, my host sister, Arena, age 20, was teasing me and kept on trying to drop her towel and get me to look at her. This was unacceptable. I went to get a drive into town with my host brother, Diego. He was very upset for some reason. He kept trying to tell me that I had to go see the priest in town. I was very nervous. I kept on trying to explain that the towel incident was an accident and I didn't want it to happen. I'm going to skip about 10 pages here that are pretty much just Our Lady Peace lyrics and animal (laughs) pictures. After dinner, I went to the church with my host family. I had never been inside a Catholic church before. There was lots of standing and sitting. Apparently, in Spanish, this ceremony is called Mass. (laughs) This was a new experience for me. About the middle of the ceremony, the old priest pointed at me and people started clapping. They kept on pushing me towards the stage where there was a chair set up. I sat in the chair and was unsure what to do. After about 15 minutes, a boy came with a wash basin and the old priest went to take off my shoes. I slapped his hand away. (laughs) My feet smelled so bad. He kept on trying to get me to take off my shoes. 
but I said, no way. After about five people came up to try and take off my shoes, I started crying. Then they let me sit down. The next day, they told me that it was a ceremony to wash my feet to welcome me into the community. What have I gotten myself into? I grew up in a really small town. You know, when I was growing up there, there there was no such thing as, you know, anybody who wasn't Protestant, white. So, you know, going from that environment to being the only white kid uh, was a pretty challenging experience, but uh, a really ultimately good one. Let's just say I learned a lot about how I view the world and, uh, you know, my role in it. When I look back at that journal, I just think, thank God I am not that kid anymore. I was pretty, pretty uptight uh, 15-year-old. And uh, looking at that and looking at myself now, I'm, I'm probably, I'd like to think, at least a little bit more laid back. When Christina was 11, her teacher gave the class an assignment. Write about your future and imagine where you'll be when you're 25, 45, and 65. And what's really great is that Christina's teacher held on to these assignments. He kept them and then mailed them back to the class 25 years later, here to read what she thought life was going to be like at 25, 45, and 65. Please welcome to our stage, Christina. I now am 25 and I feel excellent. <laughs> I recently bought a car. I used one though. Of course it's used. With an income of 20,000 a year, there's no way I can afford a brand new one. <laughs> I've been dating a guy named Jeff. I know it's not gonna last too long. <laughs> I've been the musical Anne of Green Gables for almost a month now. I have the part of Anne. I haven't been feeling top notch lately. I don't get enough sleep. My usual dinner is anything that can go in the microwave. Can't wait to be 45. <laughs> Age 45. I've now gotten married and had three children. My husband has dirty blonde hair and crystal blue eyes. When I look into them, it's like looking into the ocean. My children are one, three, and five. In order from oldest to youngest, it is Kendall Matthew, Isabel Ashley, Jeremy Maximilian, and I'm expecting another one. I went to the doctor two months ago and she found three tumors in my left foot. <laughs> Luckily, they were able to use lasers to vanish them from my foot. My youngest son has one of these new diseases. It's called arrow calling coop. <laughs> it develops in the wrists and moves up into the shoulders. The doctors say if they give him chemotherapy, it will be gone in about 10 months. I'm starting to get really worried about our environment. The Space Environment Specialists, SES, are going to take the most dangerous trips ever next week. They're going to attempt to close the ozone layer. <laughs> I can't wait to see my play being opened on March 23rd. 
It's called Meadow Haze and PEI. It's about Anne's death. <laughs> a continuation of Anne of Green Gables series. I've got to go. My mom just phoned. She says it's urgent. The baby I was expecting was a girl. Her name is Olivia Alexandria, who is now 20. Jeremy's disease was cured. <laughs> All of them are married with kids. I have six grandchildren. They're so sweet. The plan to close the ozone came through. <laughs> we are now all environmentally wise. We have to be because of reinforced laws. I'm still in good shape because my husband encourages me to keep on living. I still act for a lot of the bigger companies in Canada, and I still enjoy every minute of it too. If you're not old until you feel like it, I won't die of old age. Love always, Christina Caliboro Ni Lemieux. According to Christina, not a single one of her predictions has come true, which, given the foot tumors and the hole in the ozone layer, is probably a good thing. In 1979, our next reader, Sherry, was 17. And at our Kitchener show, Sherry read a diary entry that covers two very common teenage experiences. Getting your first car and drinking underage. Sunday, November the 18th. Well, let's see. Friday, I went to a car dealer and my mom's buying me a gremlin. <laughs> I hate them, <laughs> but it's not really that bad. <laughs> now for the big news. Shelley and I didn't go to that party. It was canceled. Instead, Shelley and Gary, Mike, and I went to St. Mike's campus at U of T Pub. We thought it would be a real drag at first, but after a while, one million people came in. 75% <laughs> guys, 25% girls. It was too much. <laughs> I danced constantly. Uh, with 10 trillion guys. <laughs> Heaven, in big, bold letters. <laughs> they were all over six foot, too. We all got pretty plastered. Anyways, now this was too much. I always danced slow songs with this same guy. After a while, we got pretty cozy. We ended up necking on the dance floor. <laughs> My kids are in the audience, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> ended up dancing, I ended up necking with this, with this guy through a whole song. Then he asked me to go outside with him for a second. So we went outside, and nervy me asked him if he wanted my phone number. He wasn't even good looking. <laughs> but anything looks good when you're plastered. <laughs> Very, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of what people share on our stage is private. It's personal. It's secret sometimes. And that's part of what makes grown-ups read things they've read as kids so special, that so many readers find the courage to share material that was never meant for an audience. Our next reader, Sarah, brought along the journal she kept in grade 12. Now, Sarah's journal was personal, but it wasn't exactly secret. This was a school journal, and it was written 
to a very special teacher. Here's Sarah. November 19th. Sometimes I wonder why tempers were ever created. What is the purpose of an emotion that serves only to start fights, alienate others, and create guilt and sadness? Nothing is ever resolved once tempers get involved. Unfortunately, tempers run in my family, so things get pretty tense in my house sometimes. Don't worry, there's no need to call the CIS. I know when no one in my family would ever hurt anyone, except when tempers arrive. After this, everybody's feelings get hurt. It's always been the thing I hate most about my father. He's a great guy, but things affect him too easily, and he can't deal with it. It's a scary thing for him to come home in a bad mood for no apparent reason. I detest scurrying around the house, trying not to be too loud. It's my home. What right does he have to ruin it for everybody else? There have been some fantastic fights. Well, usually with Dad yelling and me agreeing politely. I feel bad, but my proudest moments are standing up for myself when I've done nothing wrong. It's such a surge of power, I feel almost like a superhero, a champion of justice. On the other hand, if I don't do this, I regret it for days. What a dilemma. Make things worse to help myself or let it blow over and feel like a coward. I hope never to make my children feel the rage and hurt I do when my dad gets angry. I know I'm already on the track to doing this, though. Any time I could blow up at my sister. It always feels justified, but I realize afterwards I would have done it no matter what she'd done. I hate that I do it, but at the time it seems unavoidable. There is no thought involved at all. The situation is controlled completely by the ball of anger and rage in my stomach. I try so hard sometimes to not be angry, to clear my head and ignore everything. This only makes me cry. I suppose it's better to hurt myself than others who don't deserve it, but it's too hard. People look out for number one, and I'm no exception. My biggest fear is someday I'll really hurt someone or everyone until I'm alone. And then my teacher responded, I used to have a volatile temper. It took me years to get it under control. My motivation was that I almost did severely hurt someone. Thank goodness I had a second chance. Uh, Looking back at this journal entry, I really can't believe that I ever wrote it. I never talked about this stuff, and I hardly ever even admitted it to myself. Um, I think maybe this is the only time I ever talked about it until I was 25 years old and married. Uh, This is a teacher that had the most profound impact on me. I really feel privileged that he shared something this personal with me. I think it's amazing, this brief connection that we shared on paper. I think at the time, I had very little empathy for my father. I always found it really difficult to reconcile all the good things he did for us, and then, you know, the switch would flip, and he would be this angry, scary person. I'm lucky enough that I have people in my life who've taught me how to manage my anger, and I think he probably just never had that. And, you know, like, now that I have my own kids, I can definitely see how your temper can get the best of you, (laughs) and I feel a lot of guilt when I lose my temper with my own kids. But after having experienced the sort of this anger with never any apology. I'm determined that I'm always apologize to my kids and I'm gonna let them see the strategies I'm using to help calm myself down and try and break that cycle so that it doesn't continue on through the next generation. A lot of kids write letters to Santa Claus, and usually it's a once-a-year kind of thing. You write to Santa, you remind him how good you've been all year, you drop a few hints about what you might like to see under the tree, you cap it off with the promise of milk and cookies, you sign your name, and that's it. You're done for the year. Unless, of course, you're our next reader, Charlie. Dear Santa, Hi. 
How are you, Santa? I'm fine. Now in Canada, there's many snow. The snow is thicker than before. How is the North Pole? I bet it is way colder than Canada. Did you know that I'm in grade three? I bet you did. <laughs> it is very, very fun there. I wish you can live in Canada. Below this paragraph will be something I want really badly this year, so please give it to me. One, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. One of the children you watch, Charlie. So I kept up our correspondence because I thought we were best friends. So January 9th, 2001. Dear Santa, hello Santa, how are you? I'm fine. Alan, my brother, was very nice to me yesterday, but most of the time, he is my worst enemy. Are your reindeers doing fine? I hope so. In Canada now, it is very cold. The snow is now a few centimeters. Thank you for the books. I like them very much. I'm still in the middle of reading Harry Potter. Before, I did not like wizards, but when I read Harry Potter, I liked wizards very much. <laughs> Are you still busy now making toys? One of the children you watch, Charlie. <laughs> January 11th, 2001. <laughs> Dear Santa, hello Santa, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. <laughs> What are your hobbies? Mine is drawing pictures. My favorite subject is science and technology. What are your favorite subjects? In our school, we are building forts. We had a fort contest, and we won third prize. My brother is still mean to me. <laughs> Perfect regrets, Charlie. <laughs> P.S. In brackets, secret. My wish is to make my brother be nice to me. P.P.S. Can you show me your address? I want to visit you one day. P.P.P.S. Rudolph doing good? Charlie, ladies and gentlemen. Charlie was not the only reader at our Kitchener show who wrote Christmas letters. Our next reader, Andy, brought along a Christmas letter she wrote to her dad when she was 15. And the thing you need to know about this is that it was formatted as a business letter so that Andy's dad would know she was dead serious. And like any good business letter, it had a subject line. <clears throat> Your problem with Christmas gifts... December 24th. Dear Father, it seems as though once again you have failed to use my gift from last Christmas. I have only heard vague rumors and have never actually been a witness to your using it. This is a major disappointment. You have not fulfilled the requirements of a gracious gift recipient. <laughs> I regard it as futile to endure your indifference towards not only my, but also your whole family's gifts. Therefore, from now on, I will no longer acquire any presents for you. <laughs> If you find something that you know you will use, please buy it, and I will pay the full price or part of the cost. <laughs> Consider this notice and act accordingly. <laughs> Thank you. on Christmas Eve. 
Despite her best efforts to sound businesslike and serious in that letter, Andy says not much changed with her dad, at least Christmas presents-wise. At Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids, we hear a lot of diary entries. And the one thing that's always kind of puzzled me about diaries is who exactly we're writing to. When we write Dear Diary, who do we imagine on the other end? Well, our next reader, Elisha, had a very clear idea of who she was writing to. So I wrote this diary to my future daughter. And I was almost 13 years old when I started it. And I think I felt misunderstood by my mother at that point. And so this was kind of my way of expressing that frustration was to write this diary to my uh, future daughter and that I would give it to her in the future. And so it's a little bit bizarre and ridiculous, but that is what it ended up being, a full diary full of entries to her. Live on stage in Kitchener, here's Elisha reading a diary entry she wrote when she was 12 going on 13. May 12th, 2.15 p.m. I am Elisha Natalia. I'm 12 right now, but in 13 days I'm going to be a teenager. Scary, huh? I've decided that this is a turning point in my life and that I'll really need somewhere to get away to. (laughs) I plan to give this diary to my daughter. I do intend to get married and have kids. And I plan to call my first daughter the Hawaiian form of Christina. It's so pretty but I can't quite remember how to spell it, so I have to get the series of books that I read it in that I borrowed from Rachel at church called the Christy Miller series before I tell you what your name is. (laughs) I'll get them at church choir practice on Tuesday. Wednesday, May 14th. Dear Kilikina. (laughs) Yes, you are Kilikina. Rachel gave me the books and you have been named. I really like a guy at church, Dakota. He's a year older than me. He has dirty blonde hair, light brown streaked with blonde and dark blue mesmerizing eyes and freckles. Unfortunately, all the girls are after him because he's hot stuff. I'm probably one of the last on his list. I'm starting to believe that boys aren't worth my heart. I mean... I mean, Dakota and I are great friends. We weren't. Uh, When you get down to it, we are both horse crazy. We both hate a girl named Caitlin Donald. (laughs) We both love adventures, sports, animals. The funny thing is, I know more about Dakota than he knows I do. Let me explain. (laughs) Dakota, though the best boy at church is, so I've heard, not the angel he seems. Since I homeschool, I don't go to his school, but his cousin Sandy tells me all. Apparently, Dakota shows off and swears when he's at school. He can be a brat, too. Okay, the one thing I kind of wish I didn't know, he has a pornographic magazine hidden in a pile of wood in his backyard. (laughs) His other cousin, Catherine, showed it to me. I wish she hadn't. I'm not supposed to tell a soul, so keep your mouth shut, Kilikina. And then I write, that sounded mean, sorry. (laughs) Well, anyways, I'm fighting with what my heart is telling me and what I want. (laughs) See, I don't think I should have crushes on boys, not at my age. Like the Bible verse says on the bottom of the page of this diary, there's a time for everything. 
and I don't believe it's my time for love. <laughs> Meanwhile, I want to like him. I don't not want to like him. I think maybe if I stop liking him, I'll never like him again anyway. Does that make any sense? Does it sound dumb? If I stop, we may never be anything but friends. In my wildest dreams, he's your dad, Killy Kina. <laughs> Is that awful or what? I'm only 12 and I want to love him forever. Maybe he'll love me when we're older. Maybe, if it's God's will. <laughs> well, anyways, Killy Kina, I'm tired now. Write you later with love from your mother, Elisha. <laughs> Thank you. One more time for Elisha. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Registry Theatre in Kitchener, Ontario, and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Lullatone and Pottington Bear. We have two upcoming live shows in Winnipeg on November 15th. And as I record this, we still have a few more reader spots for the matinee. After that, it's Montreal at the end of November, and we are working on more live events for early 2016. To find out when and where, join our email newsletter. You can do that at grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com or follow the link in the show notes to this episode. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. Listener.